We, uh, it's, it's just always a good thing to be in the house of the Lord. I believe that God has something big and something uh, powerful for us each time we come together. Um, I do want to mention again, uh, we our Sunday school at 9 o'clock, uh, 9.15 I mean, um, we're, we're doing some new things in Sunday school for the adults. If you can come out, uh, man, I, I believe it's a great time of just being able to be together in our Wednesday night Bible studies that have been, I, I don't know, I think, I'll, I'll say they're fun, uh, they're informative. I, I love Wednesday nights. I love the participation that we have as we, we share together and we're, everybody's able to, um, you know, talk and share. And so I, I'm having fun on Wednesday nights. Um, and so come on out if you can. I, I think it's, gonna, it's good for all of us as we come together. Um, but this morning, uh, the title of my message is, There is a River. All right, and, and I got some pretty neat uh, tie-ins with that this morning. But if you have your Bibles, let's hold them up. Not your babies, your Bibles. Okay, so proud of him. All right, this is God's Word for me today. We're going to be in the book of John. Chapter 4, John chapter 4. Um, so as I was looking up some stuff for, for uh, the message this morning, uh, I, I wanted to kind of get a, a picture in my mind of the, the headwaters of the Mississippi River. Has anybody ever looked that up before, where the Mississippi River starts? You probably all know it starts in Minnesota and uh but there's a lake in Minnesota, it's called Lake Itasca. And off of this lake, there's a little stream. And it's probably about as wide as one of those pews where it comes off. And that's the actual start to what we know as the Mississippi River. I just think that's, I think that's awesome, the way that our mighty river starts. John chapter 4, verses 7 through 14 a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty Again, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray as we discover your word this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and would help us, Lord, to realize and understand the river is alive in us as we follow you. And Lord, that we would desire more and more and more. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you this morning, there is a river. 
As, as you think about the scripture, and, and it also talks about a, a spring springing up for, for those any time you've ever been to a creek that's spring fed. You know, you get into that creek and you're walking in and then all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, there's, a, there's the spring right there. Uh, going down to Arkansas as a kid, growing up down, or gro- growing up going down there on vacations, you know, there were all these spring-fed waters, and you'd go, and they're just, no matter what time of year it is, they're cold. And, and it's that spring that feeds into that creek life. And, and as I talked about the Mississippi River, uh, water comes in such a, a small way into this opening, and it ends up being so great. It's awesome to think about all of that. As we think about this river that we live on, it's one of the greatest rivers in the world. But what the question that came to my mind is, what did that river look like 200 years ago? 300 years ago? What, what, kind, of, what kind of things went on around that river? You see, back then, before any dams, any locks, any levees, I can think that that river flowed freely and it went just wherever it wanted to go. There was nothing to, to inhibit the flow of the river. But one of the problems is we try to put man-made structures in the river to suit our own needs. We see something and we begin to look at it. Okay, well, how could that thing better suit me? So let me, let me see. Let's build a dam. Let's build this, or let's put that in it. So we decided that it was too difficult to travel to get supplies down the river, so we devised a series of dams to hold back the water and locks to allow easier passage. We also realized we could harness the power of the river, so we used dams and turbines to power our cities. We then realized we needed to keep a way to keep the water from going into places we didn't want it to go, so we built levees. All these inventions were so that we as humans could have an easier or more convenient life. And so you think, well, that was, it's worked out pretty good for us, hasn't it, Pastor? Well, yeah, really it has in a lot of ways. You're right, we have barge traffic that, that saves hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel. We have, we have nicely contained riverbanks for the most part that, you know, where, where we can, life can go on as we want it to go. We can build our cities and, and we can live life in such a way that, that it's convenient for us as humans. But there has been a downside. Since we felt like we were in control of this great river, we have built homes and businesses right on its banks. Even cities have chosen to take the chance that we were in control. When we think we're in control, we tend to do things we probably shouldn't. In the long run, many have paid a high price for that trust. But to the majority of us, we think it's probably been a worthwhile trade-off. You know, I, I was thinking about it as I was looking at the elevation on my GPS, you know. Well, I'm way above, you know, where I'm, my house is. I'm way above, right? I don't ever have to worry about that river getting to me. And so, you know, I think, oh, that's pretty good. But then I think about the destruction and devastation that has taken place over the years. And again, it's a trade-off because uh, we, have, we have made it so convenient for life along the river. And we think about 
just above, you know, the dam. We have this dam right up here, and, and we see that because we have dammed the river, what has happened on the upside of that dam, on the Illinois side especially? It's getting more shallow and more shallow and more shallow. More and more silt is filling in. They're starting to worry about the channel even. Why? Because we've restricted the flow of the river. And when you restrict the flow, the sediment begins to build up. Out in the channel where the flow is strong, it's not so much of a problem. But over on the side, you know, the lily pads are just, they're getting further and further. When, when my brother, he lived in some cabins right down along the river that are now gone, but I can remember wading out into the river and getting almost halfway across the river and never getting up to hardly past your chest. Why? Because the mud and the silt has been allowed to settle because we've removed the force of the river. How do we then view the river of God? Do we feel it is something we should control or will we let it flow as he wants it to? Now think about that. When God wants to move, how do we feel? We get nervous. We say, oh, wait a minute. Oh, 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 stop it right there. I've been in church services. One of the most, and, and, and nobody else in here knows that this situation. There are a few of you that were there that day. Um, Jared was preaching at a church. He was a college kid. He was He was... Preaching, no, this was a different story. You guys might not have been there. He, had, he was preaching, and the Spirit of God was moving. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is powerful. And the pastor got up, and he got up, and he had to start explaining things. And he said, well, you know, before we, because Jared's getting ready to open the altars, man, and I knew the place was altars are going to be packed and this pastor and I love this man I do I still love him to this day but he got up and then he began to calm well we want to calm now you know I'm like thinking the spirit is moving here man and when he was done and the altar call was given nobody responded because sometimes we get so fearful that that something's going to happen we can't control we throw up roadblocks. We begin to build dams. We begin to say, oh, wait a minute. That might be fine if it flows over there. But not here in my little corner. Let... No, nobody get mad at me yet. I haven't even gotten, haven't even got there yet. My first thing I want us to look at is the water flows from the throne of God, Just, you know, you, that picture in your mind that I gave you, I actually looked up some pictures of having a hard I'm not real technologically savvy, so I was having a hard time translating that picture onto the computer to show on the screen. So anyway, um, so as I got that picture in my mind of where that water comes in from Lake Itasca in to begin the Mississippi River, this scripture in Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 through 5, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from behind the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. 
and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. The river of God flows from the throne of God. The river of God is not, the real river of God is not man-made. We can't create it. We can't, we can't conjure it up. We can't say the right words. The, the, the river of God flows from the throne of God. So the question that popped into my mind as I was thinking about this sermon is, if it's from God, why would I not want to experience it? I've seen the misuse of God's Authority. I've seen. I've seen things that you. But if I based everything in my life on the fact that I've seen it misused, I wouldn't even get out of bed in the morning, because life has been misused. What I have to do then is I have to realize that if God wants something in my life and for my life, it's a good thing, and I want it too, even if it makes me uncomfortable. Sometimes, if you have to wear certain kinds of clothes to work, don't they kind of make you feel a little uncomfortable? But you got a job, you got to go to work, right? You want. Sometimes you have to maybe ride in a car that makes you a little uncomfortable, right? But you got to get to where you're going, so you get in it and you push on the gas and you go, right? Sometimes you go to somebody's house for dinner and they ask you to eat something that might make you feel a little uncomfortable, right? Some of these missionaries you talk to, they go, they say, we don't even ask anymore. We just eat what they put out. We don't ask. And you're like, oh, oh, Lord, help me. But I don't want to starve to death, so I want to do something that may make me a little uncomfortable. But if it's from God, if God is wanting me, wanting more in my life, why would I not want it, even if it makes me uncomfortable, even if it might make me stand out a little bit in the crowd? Why would I not want something that God has to offer? It might stretch us. It might challenge us. It might even scare us. But if it's from God, it will make us more like Him. You know, I I think the ultimate thing about being a Christian is Christ-likeness, right? To be more like Him. And the more more we allow God to pour into us, the more we're going to begin to resemble the person that we tend to call ourselves when we say we're Christians. We're like Christ. The more I get of God, the more I'm going to mimic Him and His Son in my life, in my actions, in my day-to-day dealings with people and with Him. Why would I not want it? It's from God. And it makes me more like God, so I should want more of the river of God. So it flows from the throne room of God, but but then I think about it. The second point I want us to see is it flows from the throne, but Jesus delivers it himself. It flows from the throne of God, and Jesus presents to us the river of God. In that scripture that we read, verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me a drink, 
you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus said, listen, this living water comes from the throne room of God and I am willing and able to give that to you if you will just ask. I am, I am the giver of the living water and all you have to do is say, Lord, I want it. And allow that living water to flow in you and through you. I believe that that kind of living water is the kind you can fill up on and still continue to want more. You, you get full and you overflow and it's so good you just want more. And sometimes you, you get full and overflow and you pour it out and then you just want more. It's the kind of living water that even though we get enough and even though we get satisfied, we want more because it's so good and it comes from Jesus Christ Himself. He says that you will never thirst again, not meaning that you won't want more, but that you will always have a ready supply. You will always be able to drink more. You won't have to go looking somewhere else for that drink. You know, if you've ever watched old westerns, you know, inevitably they travel across the desert and they come to the one little water hole in the ground and then, and inevitably most of the time what happens is somebody takes a drink and then they see the sign, the cross and the bones and it's, it's deadly water. So, too bad for the guy who already had a drink, right? But the rest of them go in search of water somewhere else. Jesus said the water that He comes to give is the kind of water that satisfies, but it also is always there to give you more because you're going to want more. And that's the kind of living water that we should desire in our life, the kind that we continue to drink, we continue to be filled with, and yet we still just can't get enough. We don't go looking somewhere else for it. See, that's what's happened to the world. God created us with a need and a desire for Him. And because the world doesn't want to take Him, they begin in search of something else to fill that void. And, and it takes all kinds of forms, and if it's not God, it's the wrong kind of form. And, and you, you could go, you could probably, your mind is already thinking of all the different things people try to fill that void with, but anything other than God is wrong. And Jesus said, listen, this living water I give you, you don't have to go looking for something else. You don't have to go looking for somebody else or some other thing. I am the giver of this living water and I will fill you continuously. And you don't have to look somewhere else. Matthew chapter 15, verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd. Because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling, I love this part in this translation, I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. You see, Jesus didn't come to deliver the world from all the problems of life. He didn't come to just fulfill the physical needs of the people, but those things were important to him. You see that? Why do we, Pastor, why do we care about compact Christmas? Why do we care about somebody in Arkansas that doesn't have Christmas? Is that going to help them get saved? Why do we dig wells all over the world so people can have water in our, not only our Assemblies of God, but other missions groups, other denominations? Why do we do that? 
Why do, we give, why do we feed thousands of people every day? All The religious organizations out, that come out of this country, we feed the AG's one. The, the, I think every denomination has them. We go all over the world and feed people. Why? Because we know, just like Jesus, that even though their greatest need is spiritual, if you don't do some of the fit, meet the physical needs, they're never going to listen to the spiritual. Jesus had a crowd of people. He, they'd been listening to him preach for three days. Come on now. If I asked you guys, say, hey, I'll let you guys out about Wednesday. <laughs> and they didn't leave. For three days, they didn't leave. They stayed there, and I, they slept there. And, uh, they, and not only did they not leave, they didn't eat. Now, come on. If I hold you till noon, come on. Now, I know. I'm with you. My stomach's already growling. But, but here Jesus said, listen, this crowd has been with me for three days. They've been listening to my teaching, and I'm done, okay? Sermon's over, but I am unwilling to let them leave until you feed them. Huh. Like, wait a minute, Jesus, we ain't got no food. We ain't got but just a little bit left. We ain't got... What are, you, what are we supposed to do? Jesus says, I am unwilling for them to leave until they're fed. Isn't that awesome? Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm done preaching. Go home. Woo, you got it now. Get out of here. Scoot, scoot, scoot. I'm, I got to get going. Go ahead and go. Last person out, lock the door. I had a preacher friend that said, he does that. He said, last person out, lock the door. I'm going. <laughs> That's okay. But Jesus said, listen, I've met their spiritual need, but I've got to meet their physical need. Isn't that awesome? You know, sometimes we get so, we forget that Jesus, yes, the most important thing is spiritual. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus cares about us so much that he wants to work on every need that we have, spiritual, physical, financial. Jesus cares about every part of us. And the more we get filled with him, guess what? the more we should care about others the same way. The more we should not just look at, well, you know, I've been preaching to them for, for five years. They ain't got saved yet. Well, maybe they got some other need maybe you can help them with too. Not always talking about financial. It's not always financial, but maybe there's something else. Maybe they need something else from you besides just... And not, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't preach the gospel. <laughs> but I'm saying, say, God, well, maybe there's something else that they need that I could help them with, that will open their heart to the gospel. We can, we can get blinders on sometimes. And, and I'm telling you, it can come especially, you know, from pastors. I understand that. But say, God, what is it that I can do in their life that will open their hearts to you? What is it that I can do to be an influence in their life? Jesus said, I want to feed them. Not only do I want to preach to them, but... I want to give them the strength to go home. So let's, let's feed them. You see, Jesus has, what Jesus has for us will empower us in every area of our life. Every part of us will be empowered when we just allow the river of God to flow in us. Our, our, our work life will change. Our marriages will change. Our parenting will change. Our, our interactions at, at the different places we go should change. 
And the devil will just keep making it harder and harder. Those people we work with will get more and more like rascals. The people at Walmart will get more and more frustrating. And the people on the road will just simply make us furious more and more. But the more we become like him, the more we will learn to just relax. He's with us. Maybe sometimes he'll have to put both hands on our shoulders and say, now calm down, Terry. You know, calm down a little bit. It's okay. It'll be all right. Two more minutes in line ain't going to kill you. When we allow the river of God to flow in us, it will change us in every part of our life. Some of you might remember the chorus, there is a river that flows from deep within. There is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to this water, there is a vast supply. Come to this river that never shall run dry. That's the river this morning that Jesus has for us. Comes from the throne. It's delivered by Jesus Christ himself, and the river brings life. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So what brings life to a dry and parched land? Water. In the desert, where do you find life? Near the water. When the heat is on, where do you find the cows? In the water. The water brings life. The water brings life. Nature knows it. My wife and I, and I think Josh and Kinsey, were on a float trip down the Buffalo River, down out of Marshall, Arkansas, a few years ago, and it was so scorching hot, miserable. The river was down to almost nothing. You could barely even get the boat down through half the float. And yet, what do you see as you're going down? You're seeing things that don't normally come out in the daytime, but it's so hot the coons needed a drink of water. It was so hot the deer needed a drink of water. It was so hot that the animals flocked to the water. The water brings life in the natural How much more does the water, the river of God, bring life in the spiritual? How much more does does, when He flows down on us, does it bring us to life in the Spirit and allow us to know Him more and allow us to sense Him more and allow us to experience Him more and allow us to share Him more? The water brings life. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? I love this. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? But if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. You see, more and more in this world, the devil is convincing people that God is just this, either he's a nobody or he's just, just this big meanie just waiting to crush us and stamp us out. When in fact, God sent his son that we could have life. 
and life to the full. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all come to eternal life. That's his will. That's his desire. And because that's his desire, he has a plan, and he sent his son to bring that plan to life. And his son gave his life on the cross and he bled and he died and he rose again so that the plan of God could be brought to mankind and so that the river of God could be presented like Jesus said to that woman, if you only knew, you would ask of me and I would give you living water. I think part of the problem is we don't know sometimes that we can ask. We don't know that we can just come to Him and present ourselves to Him and say, Lord, I want more of Your living water. So this morning I ask you, what's stopping you from allowing the river of God to bring life to you? Have you decided that it would be more convenient if you built a dam, threw up a couple of levees, and tried to just control God... I'm telling you, I know so many people that are just happy with just a little bit of God. Just enough to make them sound religious and be dangerous. Now, when I open a bag of chips, I can't eat just one. Matter of fact, I don't even want to. When my wife makes chocolate chip cookies, there better be some milk because I'm going to have a bunch of them. I don't want just a little bit. Why? Because it's good. I could go on and on and on about the things that my wife makes that I can't stop. But but why? Because they're good. The things of God are good. The river of God is good. It says here, He only gives us good things. Why would we not want what God has? Because it's good. Why do I continue to serve Him? Because He's good. Is my life perfect? No. Do I not face things? Yes, I do. Are there fears that I have to overcome? Yes, there are. But I keep going because He's good. And He's proved Himself to be faithful. And I know that if God asks me to do it, it's going to be good. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's not going to scare me a little bit. But if God wants it for me, why would I not want it? If God has it for me, why would I not ask for it? He says here, you and I, when our kids ask us for something, we're not going to give them something bad, are we? We're not maybe not going to give them everything they want. But if they're hungry, we're going to feed them, right? We may not give them everything they want, but we're going to take care of what they need. But God says, if you can do that as just mere humans, how much more will God give good things to those who ask? So then this morning, it's up to us to ask. It's up to us to say, Lord, I want to get into the river. I I like that scripture where, you know, he steps out and he gets ankle deep, and then he goes a little deeper, and he goes a little deeper. And it goes a little deeper till it's just water to swim in. This morning, my heart's desire would be for myself and for each one of us that, they, that we would get into water that we can't swim in. That we would just let the river of God so envelop us 
that that's all we have is the river of God. We're there and we're just, we're soaking it all in. Tear down the dams this morning. Bust the levees. Let the river of God go where he wants to go and do what he wants to do. Bow your heads with me, if you will, this morning. Lord, this morning, I thank you for your word. and I thank you for your Holy Spirit that will bring that word to life in us. So, Lord, as we come to this point this morning, I, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would show us in our own lives our need for more of you. Because I believe, Lord, that as we take inventory, that we will see that no matter how full we are, we need more. And so, Lord, this morning I ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to respond to you and put ourselves in that place where we ask for more. More of your presence, more of your power, more of your love, more of your grace, more of your forgiveness more of your wisdom, more of you. May the river of God flow in us this morning. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to, for a moment, I want you to think about it. And then I'm just going to open these altars up and I'm just going to ask to let's just spend these next few moments. It's still early this morning. Let's spend these next few moments in prayer and asking God to fill us with more of His river. Whatever form that takes in you, whatever it is that you need this morning, the river of God can fill that up. Lord, as we allow Your Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning, God, I pray that we would be sensitive to You and that we would allow Your Holy Spirit to bring us to that place that we need to be today. That our response to You would be the response that you want. Just going to ask, if you, if you want more from the Lord this morning to come to these altars or come around the front or to, to pray, you can pray where you're at, but there's just sometimes something about, about moving to the altar. But this morning, my heart's desire is that we would ask the Lord for more, that we would recognize in ourselves the need for more. And ask the Lord to fill that void this morning. So if you would, just, let's just find a place to pray. And however that looks for you this morning, just, just begin to ask the Lord for a filling more of Him in your life today and whatever it is that you have need of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, this morning. More of you.